You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Super excited to be live for you today, talking all things cryptocurrency and specifically some tips for beginners and intermediate users alike. I've been in the crypto space for nearly a decade now and have learned quite a bit in that time. And I would like to share some of that information with you so you don't have to repeat the mistakes that I have. I invite you to share this video with your friends. Shout out to the folks watching on YouTube, Facebook, and especially DLive, as well as Float. We are going to be taking your questions during this live feed, so I invite you to give us some of your questions and some of your feedback, and we'll be sure to respond to it. We just wrapped up the D3 Tech Summit. For those of you interested, you can go to d3techsummit.com or check out my YouTube channel if you're watching here. It was two days, 10 hours worth of content, and we did get really in-depth into crypto. Uh, Shout out to the podcast audience as well. You can subscribe to the podcast at livefreenow.show, livefreenow.show. Try to do at least one or two every week. And it's all about freedom, living free, all that good stuff, all things that are that are good. Hey, I want to invite you to take part in a workshop that we are putting together, myself along with Matt McKibben, Ramiro Romani. It's called Demystifying Crypto, How to Buy, Hold, and Multiply Your Cryptocurrency. And no, hold is not misspelled. It's hold on for dear life. We'll talk about that here in a second, it's one of the tips, but the workshop's coming up May 15th and 16th. However, if you can't make those dates, then you can get access to the replay for 30 days after, or you can download a digital version of the workshop. You can find this at cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com. It's also going to be two days, eight hours worth of content. I really think you are going to get a lot out of it. All right, without further ado, let's lay in these tips here. So, If you're watching this video or listening to this podcast, I presume that you are interested in cryptocurrency. Let me just start by sharing what cryptocurrency is, what blockchain technology is. The very first cryptocurrency to market was Bitcoin. It was created by an anonymous person or group of people named Satoshi Nakamoto, and they created this white paper that explains the technology in 2008. And then the Bitcoin network and the protocol and software was released on the world in 2009. This was a big innovation when it comes to payment systems, but also when it comes to information sharing in general. Now, the technology underpinning the Bitcoin network is called blockchain. And this is one of the big elements that Bitcoin brought to the world. Essentially, all throughout history, here's why this is special. A lot of people fail to grasp that. It's special for many reasons, but here's one of them. All throughout history, people have relied on ledgers in order to maintain records and information. For example, early on at the advent of banks, right? people used to trade in precious metals and then coins, gold and silver coins. And this became a little burdensome if you wanted to make a large purchase or if you had a lot of wealth traveling around with all that gold was a risk. It wasn't very practical because it's heavy and a lot of weight. So these folks were like, hey, you can store your gold with me and I'll give you these paper notes in exchange for that gold. And these paper notes, these certificates will be redeemable for the gold or silver. And you could trust us, right? Well, these banking institutions... They would create a ledger that would say, John has two ounces of gold with me, and I gave him those those papers, right? And we would have to trust these banks in order to maintain that ledger. Well, as history shows, 
you can't really trust the banks and they would inflate the paper notes. So the paper notes, there were more paper notes, more paper currency than the bank had gold, right? And then the Federal Reserve Bank created in 1913, they also maintain a ledger, the M1, M2 money supply, although the M2 money supply is hidden now. They're inflating that, right? So throughout history, you've had to trust a third party in order to maintain the accuracy and legitimacy of this ledger, whether it's a bank, whether it's a credit card company, whether it's a central bank, right? And the cool thing about this blockchain technology is that you do not have to trust a third party. There's no intermediary, no middleman that you need to rely on in order to exchange information or in order to share value and money, right? So before, if you want to make a payment globally, you know, somewhere digitally, not in person, then you have to trust Visa or PayPal or your checking wire to go send that, right? And of course, there can be controls put in place. For example, my business, mybravebotanicals.com, we sell Kratom, CBD, and Delta-8. And unfortunately, the government's not very fond of these very basic natural plant medicines. I've had credit card accounts shut down, Square, PayPal, Cash App, all of that stuff got shut down because I was selling a plant medicine that they didn't approve of. Well, the cool thing about cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, not only do you have to trust, not only do you not have to trust a third party to ensure the transaction's valid and the money that party A is sending to party B, they actually have that money and they own that money. Not only that, but no one can shut it down. It can't be controlled by a government. It can't be controlled by a bank. You can send money and receive money to any person anywhere in the world. And that's a very beautiful thing. So that's what cryptocurrency is. This blockchain, before you had one ledger that was maintained by a third party that you had to trust and rely on. Well, now the blockchain essentially is a distributed public ledger. And there's all these different computers and nodes that agree on the record of transactions. And they all, when a new transaction happens and it's verified, they all update the ledger. And it's decentralized and distributed. Really, really cool piece of history. It has all sorts of implications. Um, yeah, it's a really big deal. So I just wanted to open up with what cryptocurrency is and what blockchain is. You know, the first step in setting up and getting into cryptocurrency is to set up a crypto wallet. And oftentimes people feel bamboozled or it's really maybe not bamboozled, but you can be bamboozled in the crypto space, which we'll talk about in one of the tips. But uh, people, it's hard for them to wrap their head around how cryptocurrency works. And one of the best things that you can do is set up a crypto wallet and then kind of experiment with it. In fact, I made this offer in the Greater Reset chat. Um, someone uses my free mini course that I put together at setupacryptowallet.com, setupacryptowallet.com, set up a wallet, Coinomi. And then if you give me a Bitcoin cash address, I'll send the first 10 people or 15 people that do that $5. So far, only a couple of people have taken me up on that. So you can set up, go to setupacryptowallet.com. It's there in the show notes. Set up a wallet. If it's your free, you got to be a beginner, first timer. Send me your Bitcoin cash address and I'll hook you up. And then you can see how it works. You can experiment with it. You can send someone else a dollar or mess with it. All right. So let's go ahead and get into these tips here. So I have five tips that I want to share with you. And these tips are designed for beginners and intermediate users as well. And these are tips centered around ensuring that the resources that you put into cryptocurrency are protected and that you can even maximize this investment as well. So the first tip is something that comes from the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, and that's to begin with the end in mind. I think it's the second habit of highly effective people. The first one's be proactive. The next one's begin with the end in mind. Essentially what that means is to consider, to vision, to think about, to meditate on where it is that you want to go what the desired end is, right? You have means and ends. The ends is what you want, the goal, the outcome. The means is how you're going to get there. So we need to recognize, this is how it applies to cryptocurrency. When you're thinking about cryptocurrency, you always want to begin with the end in mind and think about where, how do I want to benefit from this cryptocurrency? So I do one-on-one -on -one consultations with clients and that's what we start with. I ask them, how is it that you want cryptocurrency to benefit your life? How do you see cryptocurrency fitting into some of your life goals and plans? 
right? Because at the end of the day, if you're simply accumulating cryptocurrency and not doing anything with it, then it doesn't really have as much value except for the ones and zeros, right? So have a plan, an investment plan, maybe a number that you're going to cash out on, right? Or how can this help to advance my life? You know, examples are, we want to start putting money in cryptocurrency so we can protect our wealth from inflation, which is precisely why the value of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are going through the roof right now, because many people, legacy financial institutions especially, are beginning to realize that the financial emperor wears no clothes and the United States dollar and other fiat currencies are being debased. So, Okay, begin with the end in mind. All right, we have excess wealth or we have extra money. We want to put it in cryptocurrency. So whenever we retire, we have that nest egg and hopefully it's protected from dollar inflation, right? There's actually been a paradigm shift where before it was like, it's too risky to get involved in cryptocurrency. The price fluctuates too much. There's too many unknowns and uncertainties. Well, nowadays it appears as though it's too risky not to get involved with cryptocurrency because while the price does fluctuate, rather rapidly and quite wildly when it comes to cryptocurrency, it's on an upward trajectory and it has been consistently since its advent. There's little dips, but there's there's corrections. It's a natural market flow. People Price goes up, people take profit, the price goes down, then the buyers buy the dip and the price goes up. Contrast that with the United States dollar, which is on a steady, steady decline. They are just inflating and debasing the currency left and right. Begin with the end in mind. Maybe some people are wanting to put a down payment on a home and they don't want to save the money in their checking account, right? Now, again, it comes with some risk. There's a chance that you put the money in and then the price dips down. But at the end of the day, if you're storing that money in United States dollars consistently the whole way through, then you're guaranteed that there's going to be a decline in purchasing power because of inflation. The more dollars that are created, the less that they're worth. It's called the inflation tax. Another thing, if you get if you're doing cryptocurrency trading, for example, where you start with U.S. dollars or U.S. dollar tether, USDT, where you start with Bitcoin as your reserve currency, and then you purchase other alternative cryptocurrencies like Ethereum or Cardano or Monero or Pirate Chain, and then you want to sell whenever they go up, ideally if they go up, back into your reserve currency, maybe it's Bitcoin. You want to begin with the end in mind and think, okay, I'm going to get in on this trade. What's my plan? What's my exit plan? Yeah, essentially have an exit plan because again, like I said, if you're just accumulating the crypto, it's just ones and zeros. It's not actually benefiting your life. Now, an end, begin with the end in mind could be, I want to accumulate wealth and I want to accumulate that wealth in the form of cryptocurrency because I believe that the finite nature of crypto, of Bitcoin specifically, and other cryptocurrencies, there only will ever be 21 million of them. I trust that more than I trust Joe Biden and Janet Yellen and the Federal Reserve Bank inflating the currency because they can inflate it endlessly. So the first tip is to begin with the end in mind. How do you see cryptocurrency benefiting you and your life? The next tip I want to go over is to do your research, to be smart. Not to be a, a dork or a fool, there is a wide world that is rapidly changing when it comes to cryptocurrency. And if you are going to be putting money into crypto, if you are going to be making investments into crypto, then you are going to want to do your best to ensure that you are protecting that investment, that you're not getting taken for a ride. There's a lot of scams out there. Sometimes, you know, it's funny when you say, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, probably is too good to be true, but there's the cryptocurrencies, you get involved in them and you make a hundred X gains, absolutely ridiculous, right? That seems like it might be too good to be true, but at the same time, it happens all the time. Um, but know that sometimes with these speculative coins or coins that have a lower market cap, Market cap is determined by the number of coins in circulation times the value of each coin equals the market cap. Here's another tip I didn't include as one of the official five. Whenever you're measuring cryptocurrencies against one another, it's important to recognize the market cap as opposed to the price of the individual coin. Because some coins like Bitcoin, for example, have 21 million in circulation. 
Some other coins like Pirate Chain are, for example, they have 200 million. So the price comparison to two isn't what's important. What's important is the overall value of the cryptocurrency, which we measure in terms of market cap. Market cap is also a term that's used in traditional stock markets. The number of shares in circulation times the value of each share gets you the market cap or the overall valuation of a given company. So be careful and cautious when you put a significant amount of money in some of these more speculative coins. Be careful and cautious when someone private messages you and say, hey, I got an opportunity to invest. There's so many things on Telegram and Facebook. There's Facebook cryptocurrency groups, Telegram cryptocurrency groups, and these are targets for scammers. And the scammers will go, hey, I took $500 and turned it into $25,000. That's the kind of stuff that sounds too good to be true. So the important thing is to do your research to make sure you have a firm understanding of what it is that you get involved with. I will say, however, you need to balance that with inaction. Funny story, back in 2011 or 2012, somebody came to me and said, hey, you should get involved in Bitcoin. It's this digital money. It's decentralized. It's really cool. It's this libertarian agorist guy. His name was Ethan. And he's like, you can mine these, these Bitcoins. It's, you just run a computer on your laptop and it generates the, the coins, the Bitcoins. And this was back when you could mine 50 Bitcoin at a time, 50 Bitcoin at a time, 50 times 55,000. You do the math. And I told myself, you know, that sounds all great, but I want to get, I want to learn more before I get involved. Right. So find that balance, right? You don't want to dive into, at that time, it would have been no risk really just to run a computer program. It's not like I was sinking a bunch of money into it, but I still declined, right? So you want to balance. You don't want, you don't want to be so overwhelmed with information and feel like you need to understand it 110% such that you don't act because inaction is not going to get you anywhere, right? But you do want to balance that with at least a base level understanding, I have this thing in life where it's important to have at least a base level knowledge of a bunch of different areas. For example, how a car works or what to expect when you have mechanical problems, right? I'm by no means an expert when it comes to engines and mechanical issues, but I do have a base level knowledge to the point where I'm not going to get taken for a ride. And if there's something that seems like, oh, that doesn't seem, hmm, I've had car repairs in this similar similar area before, and it definitely wasn't that more. You can go get a second opinion. Just the same when you're doing your research, somebody says, well, this is a great thing. Oh, well, let me go cross-reference that with what I know to be reputable sources, right? There's reputable sources out there. 99bitcoins.com is an excellent guide with really great, simple to understand information. Coindesk, Cointelegraph, these more prominent publications, bitcoin.com. So do your research. Be smart. Don't get taken for a ride understand what it is that you're getting involved in and make smart decisions is what I'm saying. All right. So we, let's take a couple questions right here. Paul King says, thanks for giving me great entrance into Bitcoin. All right, Paul, I'm glad that you're involved. Definitely glad to have you on board the cryptocurrency train. I've been involved in cryptocurrency for quite some time and there's been some, I've been a millionaire maker getting people to, to, buy cryptocurrency. If only I would have taken my own advice and held on for dear life back then. We're going to talk about that tip. It's my fifth tip, how to hold on for dear uh, life. Ernest Child says, hoping crypto equals independence. I hope that for you too, my friend. Let's see if we got any comments over here in the DLive. Google Thought Police says, this explanation sounds like your crypto is just another investment. Sell high if you're lucky and get back into Federal Reserve notes. Well, you know, in the context that I'm speaking of in the title, I did talk about protecting investment, right? In another video, you definitely can hear me talk about the revolutionary, the evolutionary nature of cryptocurrency and how it allows us to have sovereign control over our money, how it allows us to share information online, videos that can't be censored through the library blockchain, how it can create decentralized social organizations with consensus-based mechanisms, multi-party signature addresses so we can unlock money like we have our own treasury but specifically in this video, I'm chatting about how you can protect your cryptocurrency, whether you use the cryptocurrency for private transactions or for some of these other things. All of this advice applies as well. Paul King says, I noticed Bitcoin fell to 48,000, so I bought some more then. That's right. Buying the dips, 
that's another one of my tips I've given in another video. You wait for the right opportunity. You buy the dip when there's a 5 or 10% dip. You can buy micro dips to 5% drops. You can really stack up on macro dips like a 20% drop, which we just experienced. But it's good to see that the price of Bitcoin is already uh, recovering. I've already reached retirement. How to protect my money value in the limited amount of time I have left is breaking my brain. Well, you know, one thing that people do, just a simple dollar cost averaging they use a service like Coinbase, for example, or other services, and they just buy like you come up, begin with the end in mind. So you determine, OK, I have this much coming in from this particular investment or I have this much capital here. So I'm going to take a percentage of that five, 10 percent, whatever. And I'm going to buy X amount of dollars of cryptocurrency per month. Right. And then you're just stacking. You're essentially shifting dollar backed assets, dollar based assets into cryptocurrency-based assets or Bitcoin-based assets. Because like I said before, the dollar-based assets that are measured in dollars and are dependent on the dollar and based on the dollar, those are losing value. Like imagine you have a 401k or some sort of stock or fund that you're invested in. It's returning 5% gains. That all sounds fine and well, but when you measure that against the rate of inflation, which is way higher than what any little inflation index will tell you that the federal government gives you, then maybe you're breaking even or maybe it's actually a loss of wealth. That's why so many people are flocking to cryptocurrency, not just individual retail investors, but big hedge funds and smart money are recognizing even big mega corporations that have hundreds of millions of dollars in their treasuries are realizing, wow, all this money we've been working so hard for is getting depleted away through the inflation tax. So we better put it in a vehicle that is deflationary in nature and that's not going to get inflated to the roof. So David Evans says, so who will be the Bitcoin equivalent of the Rothschilds? Money isn't the solution. It's when it's the problem, period. The root is where to start. What to replace it with? Try freedom when the slaves figure that out. Life is the only reputable source. Um, I like money. I think it's a great tool. I have a good relationship with money. I don't say things like money is the problem. If I were to adopt that mindset, then you can rest assured that money, it's all around. It's all going, exchanges, commerce. If I said money's the problem. It's bad. Money, bad. Money equals bad. Then the money would just be like, oh, maybe we should go hang out with John. Oh, no, let's get that guy out of here. He doesn't appreciate us. So I always encourage people to change the relationship that they have with money. Governments using money is bad. Charlatans and thieves using money is bad. Governments sucking resources off the productive class of people and giving it over to war efforts. That's bad. But a good person offering value in the in the realm of goods and services and exchanging that value, helping people to solve problems and being compensated with money, Bitcoin, for example, in exchange for that or Bitcoin cash, that's a very beautiful thing. That's just markets and voluntary human interaction and using money as a exchange of value. So, you know, I would encourage you to change your attitude towards money because it's probably going to run away from you if you don't. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more question here, one more comment. I have some Bitcoin and want to move it to R. I have a pirate mobile wallet. I too have the pirate mobile wallet and R has really been making some grounds. It's a really solid privacy coin with this growing, growing community. So you can take that Bitcoin and you can utilize an exchange in order to turn that into R. Let me just tell you real quick what I would do to see what that exchange is. So I would go on over to, yes, I know Google. I have to use the Chrome browser because it's more effective with StreamYard. So I would go over to coingecko.com. This is a listing of all the different cryptocurrencies. I would search for R. It's ranked number 76 in market cap. And then I would scroll down to see which exchanges I could acquire it on. So you can go to Trade Ogre. So you set up an account with one of these exchanges. You, it has a, U, a BTC to R pairing. So then you go sign up for an account with Trade Ogre. You deposit your Bitcoin. You convert your Bitcoin to R. You send your R to your R wallet. That's how you get your hands on some R, matey. All right, let's get on with our tips. So we've gone over being smart. We've gone over beginning with the end in mind. And the last, the, the third tip I want to give you is one, whenever you're actually transferring cryptocurrency. So there's a whole lot of people in the cryptocurrency space that they use a service like Coinbase, for example, which is a great service, except that they collect your personally identifiable information in the in the in a know your customer check right 
Uh, that's so they can cross-reference your name and they can know your identity. They can cross-reference your name with a terror database. That's what the government requires money service businesses to do. It's part of the Bank Secrecy Act. But outside of that, if you can stomach that, Coinbase is a great way to acquire cryptocurrency. Now, Coinbase is what's known as a custodial wallet. This means that Coinbase, the company Coinbase, has access to your private keys. Every single Bitcoin wallet creates private key and public address combinations, okay? The public address is essentially like your account number. It's a long string of numbers and letters, and this is what identifies your account, essentially. You can create an unlimited number of public addresses within a wallet. Each public address has a corresponding private key. It's this private key that enables you to unlock access to the cryptocurrency that's associated with a public address. So if I wanted somebody that's watching to send me cryptocurrency right now, I would supply you with this public address. You would send cryptocurrency to that public address. Then in my wallet, I would set up a transaction saying, I want to send this cryptocurrency elsewhere. And the wallet would take the private key and it would sign the transaction, sending it through the cryptocurrency blockchain. A custodial wallet is a wallet where a third party has access to that private key. In the case of Coinbase and PayPal, for example, you don't even get to gain access to that private key. They have total control over it, which means that they have total control over your money. Using a non-custodial wallet, which I'll teach you how to set up at setupacryptowallet.com, setupacryptowallet.com, with a non-custodial wallet, no one else has access to your private keys except for you, which means that you truly control your cryptocurrency. Now, many people will take the cryptocurrency, they'll take their US dollars, they'll link up a bank account with a service like Coinbase, they'll buy cryptocurrency, then they'll leave the cryptocurrency in their Coinbase wallet. In my opinion, this isn't a good practice. It's good to on-ramp with one of those services, but then send the cryptocurrency to your own private wallet. I teach you how to send and receive crypto in that little mini course that I put together at setupacryptowallet.com. But for now, here's my tip, because a lot of people get nervous when they're messing with the public address and stuff, because it's like, whoa, this is this is this is different. I'm used to sending money to a PayPal address or someone taking my credit card number, for example, or paying an online invoice. So here's how it works. You set up your wallet, your non-custodial wallet. This is if you want to send from Coinbase or if you're just going to send and receive in general. Here's my little tip to make sure that you use the, the appropriate public address, an accurate public address. You set up your wallet over here. Set up my wallet, write down my recovery phrase, enable the different coins that I want to deal with. Okay, and now you go to receive, right? So you can send or you can receive. You click receive and the wallet generates a public address, a long string of numbers and letters. Now, if what the goal is in order to get cryptocurrency in this wallet is to copy that public address and to paste it in the send field of your Coinbase wallet, or if you're receiving cryptocurrency from another person, you copy that public address and you paste it in an email or an encrypted chat on Signal, for example, and you send them that public address. Well, here is the tip. Every time you copy a public address, you want to notate by either writing down or memorizing in your head the first two letters or numbers and the last two letters or numbers. That way, whenever you copy it over and you paste it in, you double check. Okay, I copied and pasted the entire address. Sometimes when you copy, it looks like you copied the whole thing, but really you're leaving off some of the letters or numbers at the end or you don't capture at the beginning. And then you go to paste it in and send it to someone or send it to yourself. And in many instances, it'll just bounce back or it won't send at all. That's good. In some instances, your crypto will be lost forever. There's also mistakes people make when they use a Bitcoin cash address, which looks very similar to a Bitcoin address, and they try to send Bitcoin to a Bitcoin cash address. You definitely don't want to do that. So that's my tip. Memorize the first two and last two numbers or letters of a cryptocurrency address whenever you are going to be giving that address to someone or inputting it in the send field in another wallet that you control. You copy it. First, you notate the first two and last two letters or numbers, then you copy it. Then when you paste it into an email or into a send field on another wallet, you make sure that the first two and last two are there. This will save you a whole lot of headache and make you pretty certain that you have a good transaction. Another thing that you can do with most cryptocurrencies, not cryptocurrencies that have a gigantic transaction fee, 
is you can, if this is your first time early on, you're feeling a little nervous, you don't want to send a thousand dollars here and risk it screwing up. So with most cryptocurrencies that don't have a big transaction fee, like Bitcoin's like 20 to $30 right now, you can just send yourself 10 bucks. So let's say Bitcoin cash transaction fees real quick. Most cryptocurrencies have a transaction fee that's associated with each transaction. It tags along with the transaction. This fee goes to the miners. Well, with the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, or the Ethereum blockchain, there's only a limited amount of space. There's only a limited amount of information that can be included in each block. A blockchain is just a chain of blocks. With the Bitcoin blockchain, a new block is added approximately every 10 minutes. That block contains the transactions that took place prior. Right. And when there's a bunch of people that are trying to get their transaction into that next block, there's a lot of competition for that finite amount of space. And in turn, the transaction fee gets bid up, sometimes upwards of $50, which is absolutely ridiculous. So this tip doesn't work so well for Bitcoin, but with other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash or Pirate Chain, for example, let's say you, you want to ultimately move, you bought, you bought your cryptocurrency in Trade Ogre, Vanessa, and you want to move it over to your private R wallet. You're feeling a little nervous because you bought a thousand bucks worth of pirate chain here and you don't want to send it all as your first time to send it out of a wallet like that. So you can just simply, remember, copy the, the address and notate the first two and last two. And then when you go to send it, just do a little $10, give it a test test run. Oh, the $10 went fine. It's confirmed. I have access to that now. That went well. All right, let me go ahead and send the rest. I used to do that early on. And then I was like, it works every time. Why do I need to do this? Let's just, let's just dance. But still, like if you're dealing with someone, maybe they made an error on their end. If it's a large transaction, 10,000, 20,000, $100,000, it doesn't hurt to do a little test here and there, especially for new folks. So I just wanted to throw that tip out there. So we talked about beginning with the end in mind coming up with a plan, a goal, how can cryptocurrency benefit your lifestyle, right? Or if you're entering a trade, know what your exit plan is and when you're going to get out of the trade as well. Know where you're going. Don't just go in willy-nilly. The second tip was to do your research, to be smart. The third tip was to notate the first two and last two letters. You know, when it comes to being smart and doing your research, make sure you know how to send a transaction as well. Again, you can go to setupacryptowallet.com and I'll teach you how to send and receive crypto in a Coinomi wallet. But different cryptocurrencies have different public address mechanisms. I made a fatal mistake back in the day of sending 99 ETH, 99 Ether. That's the token on the Ethereum blockchain. This was back when the crowd sale happened for Ethereum. It was 30 cents for one Ethereum. Now it's like $2,500 for one Ethereum absolutely ridiculous. I sent 99 Ether to another address and another wallet, and I left off the zero X that's at the front of every Ethereum address. Now, had I done my research how to send an Ethereum transaction, I don't know what the hell the zero X was back then, right? How to send an Ethereum address, a transaction. What's this zero X? Do I include the zero X? Go find reputable sources. I didn't. I just sent the address without the zero X at the beginning and the Ethereum, the Ether got lost in the Ether, lost forever. Now that's worth a whole lot of money, that 99 Bitcoin or 99 Ethereum. So do your research. Make sure you know what you're doing when you are sending. Uh, does Timothy Ryan have a question here? Yeah, we did uh, address that, but thank you for reiterating there, Tim. And thanks for your participation in this live stream. All right, my next tip is if you dabble in different alternative cryptocurrencies, there's over 6,600 cryptocurrencies. Most of them are total junk and don't really have a lot of volume or liquidity or community or development going on. But there's a, quite a few that are pretty cool and they all have different utilities and use cases and benefits. And they're all different and compared to one another. If you're like going in and you're going to invest $500 worth or 0.1 Bitcoin worth of this, that, or the other, and you're speculating in different alternative cryptocurrencies, right? Here's a good example, Pirate Chain, right? So let's say you were receiving Pirate Chain in exchange for goods and services, or you bought $200 worth of Pirate Chain back when Pirate Chain was around 30 cents, 18 to 30 cents, right? That's when Jack Spierko started talking about it. He learned about it. It was very inexpensive. And let's say that that Pirate Chain then goes up to $1. And you're like, oh my God, I have, I have a hundred dollars. I put a hundred dollars worth of, of Bitcoin into pirate chain and it just went up five times. 
That's incredible. I'm going to go ahead and take my gains. I haven't 5X'd anything. Usually when I take my when I do my stocks, I make a little 10% gain here and there, and I'm super excited. So I'm going to sell all my pirate chain now that it's 5X'd from 20 cents to a dollar. You know, that's exciting. That's some gains, but you would have missed out on massive gains because pirate chain just went on a total bull run all the way up to $16, settled back down a little under 10. Now it's around $10. So here's the tip. If you go into an alternative cryptocurrency and you think that you're realizing some gains and you want to trade back into another cryptocurrency or get your money out, keep a little stash of it, right? So let's do the math. If you did $100 worth of pirate chain at 18 cents, so 0.18 times 100, that'll get you, oh, no, sorry, 100 times 0.18. No, what are we doing here? 100 units, $100 divided by 0.18. That'll get you 555 pirate chain, 555 R's, okay? So you got $100 of pirate chain was 18 cents. Right. And now it goes up five times and you're like, wow, now I have two thousand seven hundred and seventy seven dollars. This is incredible. No, I'm sorry. You would have five hundred dollars worth of pirate chain. Well, what if instead of selling all five hundred and fifty five of them, you held on to 50 of them or you held on to 100 of them? So you realize your gain, you get your initial investment back and then you just set the rest to take you for a ride. In that instance, you put in one hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, you got pirate chain, 555 of them, goes up five times. Maybe you just hold back the initial investment of $100 worth, right? And then you let the rest, you hold your $100 equivalent and then you let the rest ride, right? So the point is don't get out 100% from a coin just because it has modest gains because there's a chance that it's going to continue to rise immensely. So you get into Cardano here, you get into pirate chain there, you get into this speculative coin, pancake there, whatever, you start to realize gains. Okay, if you want to get out, another strategy that people do is they leverage the gains and the volatility of the altcoin market to add to their Bitcoin stash. All right, I have half a Bitcoin here. I'm going to go ahead and invest a tenth of a Bitcoin here and a tenth of a Bitcoin there. Oh, these coins have gone up. They've doubled. They went up 20%. I'm going to sell them back for Bitcoin. And now I have more Bitcoin. Bitcoin's my reserve currency, right? Some of these coins have intrinsic value and it's worth holding on their own because they're more capable of having massive gains because they have a smaller market cap. Something else to think about, another tip, back to the market cap. When you're anticipating or projecting what a cryptocurrency could be worth in the future, look at the market cap. Bitcoin has a market cap of around a trillion dollars. Again, we can find all this info at coingecko.com. It's one of my favorite sites. Coingecko.com. There's over 6,890 different coins. They're all ranked by market cap. Right now, the market cap of Bitcoin is one trillion. So for that market cap to double, and in turn, the price of Bitcoin to double, you know, a trillion dollars is a significant amount of money. Whereas contrast that with our pirate chain, the market cap for pirate chain recently was 2 billion, is 1.76 billion. So to go from 1.76 billion to 3.4 billion seems like an easier feat than going 1 trillion to 2 trillion, right? I do think that the market cap of Bitcoin will go from 1 trillion to 2 trillion, but it might take a little bit more momentum, a little bit more energy, a little bit more whales and big fat cats. Pirate Chain, on the other hand, can have some good coverage here and a breaking story there and it gets added to Edge Wallet or it gets added to this exchange. And now it's like, wow, that's enough to 2x, 5x, 10x, right? You also pay attention to the coins in circulation when you're measuring against other cryptocurrencies. So for example, there will only ever be 200 million Pirate Chain Right. So if you're comparing pirate chain to another cryptocurrency, like one question to ask yourself is, is it possible that pirate chain could surpass Zcash or Monero in terms of its value? Right. Because pirate chains, it borrows from both of those technologies and kind of brings it together with the bets of both worlds. And it has forced privacy. It's always going to be private. So let's say, OK, let's look at Zcash. Let's see if it's, is it possible for one pirate chain to be worth $233? Well, this price is 
part of this price is the fact that there's only ever going to be 21 million Zcash like Bitcoin. Now, some of these cryptocurrencies are not decentralized and they can change like the rate of inflation, like Ripple, for example, is controlled by a company. That's a setback. But as we see, 21 million pirate chain, sorry, 21 million Zcash, only 11 million in circulation. That's a small amount with a $233 value. With pirate chain, there's already 180 million in circulation with a $10 value. So for pirate chain to go to $230, that would actually have to be some significant growth in the market cap of pirate chain, which may not be extremely likely. It's possible, but it's not likely. So in order to get to that $233 price, pirate chain would have to go up nearly 24 times nearly 24 times, which would give it a market cap of, so 24 times 2575823, 2 billion. Is that 2 billion or million? Okay, 624. Okay. It would have to have a market cap of 61 trillion. Okay, so so you do these little thought experiments in your head. Okay, how much potential gain could I see with Pirate Chain, a coin that has a lot of different coins in circulation? Is it possible for Pirate Chain to be worth what Zcash is someday and surpass Zcash? Is it possible for one Pirate Chain to be worth $233, right? I should say, I think Pirate Chain actually did, as far as the market cap rank, pass Zcash in the past, but can it go up to $233 a unit, right? Let's do the math. Oh, that would mean that the market cap of Pirate Chain would have to be $61 trillion. The market cap of Bitcoin is only $1 trillion. Does that make economic sense? It doesn't make economic sense. So maybe I can't anticipate one unit to go up to $233 anytime soon, at least. Just throwing that out there, some stuff to consider Evan says, are all wallets created equal? Are there more reputable wallets that you would feel more comfortable storing your crypto than others? Most definitely, wallets are not created equal. The first thing to start with is to use a non-custodial wallet, not to use a wallet where a third party has access to your private keys. Then you can go check out different ratings on wallets. Again, my second tip was to do your research to be smart. 99bitcoins.com has a wonderful guide with all sorts of reviews. Coindesk, Bitcoin.com, these are all reputable sources. So you want to go cross-reference with a reputable source. I like Coinomi.com, for example. People fault it because it's not open source, but it was the very first multi-wallet. They've never had any hacks or any issues. Now, some people can give away information or get hacked on their own, but the wallet has never had any security compromises in and of itself. Another wallet that's great that allows you to stake coins. There are certain coins that you can stake proof of stake, and then you can earn interest essentially on those coins. Another one that I like is called Exodus. That's a good one if you want to stake different cryptocurrencies. It's also a multi-wallet. Bitcoin.com's wallet is a very simple user interface. It's a great way to start. Now, it is an online wallet that's stored on a website essentially. You can download the app, but it interfaces with the website. Maybe just if you get it on Bitcoin.com's website. The app, I think, is independent. But these are all different things to consider. I like Electrum if you're storing straight Bitcoin. It's a desktop wallet. I like Electron Cash. We had Jonald Fiuk Ball on uh, the D3 Tech Summit. He was the creator of Electron Cash. It's essentially very similar to Electrum, but it's for Bitcoin Cash. That's a desktop wallet. And then I like Coinomi as a multi-wallet. The Conscious Resistance Network says Zcash is inferior to Monero because the blockchain is not private. I'm also suspicious of the pirate chain as association with certain people promoting it. My friends share this need to do some research exposing the pirate chain scam. Pirate chain is no more than a pump and dump vehicle for the Komodo platform and ASIC miners. Blockchain launched three years ago and already has mined 90% of its total coins. Not even Bitcoin is rich this percentage yet. I think Bitcoin's pretty damn close to, it's like 18 and a half million out of 21. So that's 88%. It's right there. I I saw something on Reddit with these concerns as well. I'm impressed with the technology. I'm impressed with the community that's growing around it, but all sorts of different, you got to dig deep, do your research, and then recognize there's never going to be a perfect coin, right? So one problem with, I don't know the answer to this problem, but maybe the answer's out there with the totally obscured cryptocurrency like Monero, for example, is that how do we know that the currency isn't being inflated? 
How do we know that there's not extra coins if we can't go in and measure the blockchain, for example, right? So that's why it's good to have diversity, not to put all your eggs in one basket. And to another tip, this is a great beginner's tip, never invest more than you're willing to lose, right? Because there's some cryptocurrencies. I remember the Dow, it was the very first, one of the very first token sales on Ethereum. Everyone was all pumped up about it. It this Dow token. They were going to use the money. They were going to use it to create these smart contract platforms. But the actual smart contract to get into the Dow token sale had an exploit. And people invested millions and millions of dollars and it all just went away. It was hacked and taken away and the Dow price of the Dow token completely collapsed and crippled. So when you're engaging in speculative coins or new cryptocurrencies that haven't been around the block for quite some time, you definitely want to use layers of suspicion and discernment. But try to find some trusted, reputable sources to look into things and don't invest more than you're willing to lose, right? Focus on coins that have been around the block, smaller coins that may be more speculative or new on the scene, maybe invest smaller amounts. But I'm a fan of Pirate Chain, and I haven't dug too deep in some of those speculations. I mean, at the end of the day, there's people that are promoting and associating with cryptocurrencies. It's a decentralized cryptocurrency, so you really have no control whoever's, whoever over who's promoting it or associating with it. And then you have to ask, like, okay, well, what what is it that they're into it for? What could the reason be? Okay, how... What kind of what kind of benefit does do bad actors have to promoting a cryptocurrency that is privacy enabled all the time? Lots of different questions to ask and lots of different answers to be had. All right, let me hit you with that last tip. The whole the last tip is to hold on for dear life. Again, we're doing this demystifying crypto workshop. As you can see, the subtitle is demystifying crypto, how to buy, hold or hodl and multiply your cryptocurrency. And people are like, hey, John, uh. You kind of misspelled hold there, uh, but in reality, it is a reference to H-O-D-L, hold on for dear life, which is something that was iterated in a Bitcoin forum. Let me see if I can find the actual reference here and I can read it to you. The history of HODL is a great article on Coindesk.com. HODL, one of the most frequently used terms in the cryptocurrency world, originated years ago from a typo. Let me go to the actual Bitcoin forum. Okay, so this is where it came from. Then I'll explain to you what it's all about. So this was on December 18th, 2013. There was massive price action back in that day. And the headline is, I am hodling, H-O-D-L-I-N-G, misspelled, hodl. The guy's whiskey drunk. I typed the D, that title, twice. Look, I misspelled title because I knew it was wrong the first time. Still wrong. Whatever. Girlfriend's out at a lesbian bar. BTC crashing. Why am I holding? I'll tell you why. It's because I'm a bad trader, and I know I'm a bad trader. You know, good traders can spot the highs and lows, pit pat, piffy wing, long wang, just like that, and make a million bucks. Sure, no problem. Likewise, the weak hands are like, oh, no, it's going down. I'm going to sell. He, he, he. Oh my God, asshole, when the smart traders who know what the fuck they're doing buy back in. And you know what? I'm not part of that group. So I've had some whiskey. All right, so to sum it up, essentially, that's where it originated from. But really what it means is to hold on for dear life. So if you get into cryptocurrency, start investing, start putting your money in crypto. Say, for example, when Bitcoin was $10,000. You hold on for dear life. Or I was doing some consulting back in 2017 and somebody bought a significant amount of cryptocurrency when it was $13,000, almost near the peak at that time. The price of Bitcoin would then go way down, $8,000, $4,000. And it's like, whoa. And the idea is to hold on for dear life. Hold on through the increases of 20X or 2X. Hold on for the decreases if it goes down 20%, like we just saw, right? And the idea is if you believe in cryptocurrency long-term, you see the value in it, you see that fiat currencies are going to continue to inflate their currency, you see that there's going to be more and more controls on who can send what money, when and where, and to whom, for what purpose, you hold on for dear life. Just the same thing with the pirate chain. People got involved in pirate chain. Pirate chain was 30 cents when a lot of folks in the liberty community started talking about it. The price went up to a dollar, two dollars, right? If you weren't hodling, you'd say, oh my God, I just 5X my investment. I'm going to sell out. This is great. I just went from $500. Now I got 
Well, if you had what's called diamond hands, then you would have continued to hold and the price would have gone all the way up to $16. So it is to hold on for dear life. Now, as we said at the beginning, begin with the end in mind. People have different purposes for why they're getting involved in cryptocurrency. So if you wanted to stack some money aside so you could buy a down payment on a house or you could pay off the car or you could take your missus on a fancy vacation, then that's your end. It's all up to you. But if you're simply accumulating cryptocurrency because you believe in it, the idea is to hold on for dear life. Whether it goes up two times or 10 times, chances are long-term, it's going to be going up to the moon. And another element of holding on for dear life, right, is you ultimately believe that people are going to be trading in cryptocurrency 100%, or at least a significant portion of the population is. And your thinking is, why the hell would I want to get back into that old measly dollar when I could hold on to this cryptocurrency, when I could use this cryptocurrency to buy me a Tesla, for example, or when we can grow the counter economy, grow the Freedom Cell Network, create a community of like-minded individuals. And when it comes time to buy that house, I'm buying land from a like-minded person that's willing to accept the cryptocurrency in exchange for those goods or services. But again, the essence of holding on for dear life is to take the crypto, hold it. Don't sell it if it goes down 10, 20, 30%. Imagine people that got in when Bitcoin was 60,000 only to see it go down to 48,000. And if they sell at 55 or 48, then they experience a loss. If you just hold on, you don't actually realize that loss until you sell. And now as we see, the price of Bitcoin is already inching back up. Uh, Last I checked, it was 55,000. Now it's 54,779. So it did go down, but now it's going back up. Hold on for dear life. If you are a crypto believer, then you can bet your bottom Bitcoin that the price will most likely be heading northward. There's a chance it all goes to shit, but people have been saying, oh, it's going to be valueless for quite some time, and it's done just the opposite. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me go ahead and wrap up. This is John Bush with the Live Free Now Show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. You can check out our podcast at livefreenow.show. If you don't have a wallet yet, the very first step to getting involved in the cryptocurrency space is to set up a wallet. I've created a free mini course just for you to do just that, setting up a multi-wallet, a cryptocurrency multi-wallet that'll give you access to over 125 blockchains. You can find that at setupacryptowallet.com, setupacryptowallet.com. And finally, I'm invite you to participate in the Demystifying Cryptocurrency course. I'll be hosting it along with Matt McKibben. I'm going to be talking about the basics of cryptocurrency, how to set up a wallet, some tips and strategies, how to acquire privately, how to send privately. Matt McKibben is going to be talking about multiplying your cryptocurrency with decentralized finance. We've even thrown in a bonus with Ramiro Romani. He's one of the co-producers of the Greater Reset and D3 Tech Summit. He's going to be teaching us all about internet privacy, using VPNs, covering our internet trail, how to send and receive encrypted messages, texts, and emails. That's all part of it as well. You can go to cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com in order to learn more or sign up for that workshop. This is John Bush signing out. Peace and freedom. May the crypto be with you.